Welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to have uh, Dr. Philip Mead with me today. Um, Dr. Mead is a, a, a Philip is a best-selling author. His book is uh, entitled "The Missing Links: Launching a High-Performance Company Culture." Um, he, he's he's writing the book based on his experience, uh, 26 years, I believe, with NASA, where he was. Uh, challenged and tasked with changing the the culture at NASA after the 2003 Columbia Space Shuttle mishap. So uh, I think it's a great time to have you on, Philip. Uh, everybody is talking culture. It's a weird time out there in the world. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So Glad to be here. Talk about your book a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, it, it details the the work that we did following the the Columbia accident. Uh, we use that as the the backdrop and and uh, talks about how that helped us really uh, understand at a deeper level what company culture is, is really all about and uh, and guided us in in developing a um, a comprehensive model for company culture. Uh, that we've used successfully with um, numerous uh, companies to help them um, transform their their company cultures, and and uh, as they've they've scaled and and uh, and uh, and really grown their their companies into uh, to successful companies, and so uh, yeah. So let's talk about go back a little bit. So you, you, you know, let's go back to Columbia because now it's going to be the thing that everybody uh, thinks about. Yeah. After the mishap, what was what was the culture at NASA that needed to be changed? Um, was it was everybody working a little bit too close to the edge? Was it some, you know, people working too fast? They're missing something. What what inherently was tracked back to that that mishap from a culture standpoint? So this is the thing that that, that really got me, Craig. Um, you know, three months before the Columbia accident, um, there was a, uh, a, a survey that was, that was done. And, and right after the accident came, uh, the, the results of that survey were released and NASA was rated as the best place in the federal government to work. And so right, right after I was asked to lead, um, all of these, um, changes, um, to, to change the, the organizational culture and right after it was it was pegged as as one of the primary causes of the accident this 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 survey comes out this this study comes out that says that we're the best place in the in the federal government to work and and so here i am you know trying to fix the culture and we've just been named the best place in the federal government to work. And, and so if you asked me, you know, what was the culture like, I would have told you, this is an awesome place to work. I mean, I agreed with the right. results of that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one of the things that, that really um, opened my eyes about how organizational culture worked because um, it, NASA was a great place to work. We had, we had really dedicated workers. Um, they were smart engineers, um, rocket scientists, literally, you know, I mean, it was, it was a wonderful place to work really dedicated. We had to force people to, uh, to take their vacation time every year. They, they didn't want to, they didn't want to leave their jobs. 
Um, and so, so what, uh, what I discovered once I started digging into this is that uh, organizational culture, um, it's, it's really an emergent property of a complex system. And so you can have a lot of um, really positive attributes um, like dedicated employees and hard workers and smart people. Um, and yet it can combine within a broader organizational system in ways that can produce disastrous results. And, uh, and so that's, that's really what, what happened. And so when you look at it, um, in NASA specifically, um, we were taking those types of individuals, those type A individuals that were highly dedicated and really smart and hard chargers and, and hard workers, and you were putting them in an environment with lots of schedule pressure and lots of budget pressures and lots of political pressures and in an environment where um, they felt like if they didn't um, meet these really, really difficult goals, possibly um, impossible to achieve goals based on the, the budget and schedule pressures that existed, that within the political environment that there was, that the, the, schedule, that the uh, shuttle program could actually be canceled. And so they oh, felt wow. like they had to save the program, right? And so now all of a sudden these cognitive biases kicked in where their ability to effectively trade off risk um, in that in that specific situation began, began to become compromised. Um, and so that, along with some of the other challenges that they that we saw where um, you know it was difficult for them um, to to have open conversations because um, you know we also had this failure is not an option type of a, a culture, mm -hmm. which on the one hand, there's positives there because, um, it allowed us to to take on what seemed like an impossible challenge. Um, so we would we would tackle any any problem because failure is not an option. But the dark side of that is that when when failure you know seemed inevitable, um, we also didn't want to stand up and say, "Hey, I think something's wrong," and be be that guy in the room that was saying, "Hey, I, I think I think we may not be able to land this shuttle." And so instead of instead of um, saying I don't think I think there's a problem when we thought that there was no way to fix the shuttle on orbit. We we'd rather bury our head in the sand and and, and not acknowledge that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so it's it creates this complex you know situation where where the emergent culture at the end of the day um, it, it's it's a lot more nuanced than than what it seems like. It might yeah, be. yeah, it's 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 a lot like the military. It's uh, like you said, failure is not an option. You push, 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 push until something happens inevitably a mishap then everybody says whoa what happened and why didn't we yeah you, you see, it's like that train wreck happening in slow motion you know, yeah when you when you peel back and you go well, we all saw it coming why didn't everybody anybody say anything well because failure wasn't an option yeah you know yeah. so yeah. it uh, so, it's it's not so an uncommon it's is, not an uncommon problem yeah, it's a very popular term these days, which which we we really agree with is is psychological safety, right? I mean, we want we want there to be, you know, failure is not an option. I mean, to some extent, that that's a great concept to have, and we also want there to be this this sense of psychological safety where it's it's safe for employees to stand up when they truly feel like, um, yeah, we want we want conceptually to, to try really, really difficult things. And we want it, we want it to be safe psychologically mm -hmm. for me to stand up when I truly feel like this can't be done. 
and 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 to say I don't think that this is possible, or um, to say, hey, I, I think that we really need to image this this shuttle on on orbit because I think that there might be a hole in the wing, and it's not going to be safe to bring this thing back, you know. And and you know, I mean, one of the one of the things in the CABE report that that uh, the mission manager said was, you know, she she literally said. You know, there's no reason to image this this the shuttle on orbit because even if there's a hole in it, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, it's like like let's not even look at it because there's nothing we can do about it. Well, well, we don't know. Maybe there was something that we could do about mm -hmm. it, right? So, so that's that's we want to have that 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 psychological safety to be able to admit that you know maybe we maybe we can fail maybe maybe we might be able to fail and, and it to be safe about that and you know another aspect of this is the you know we had this this uh this term that we we all love to throw around all the time some some engineers even had a sign over their their uh their desks on their in their offices that said uh in god we trust all others bring data right right um you know and and that's a that's a that's a funny little slogan to say and at the same time, you know, that was another challenge that we had with with this incident because we had we had kind of grainy grainy video imagery where we could see that something hit and there was this big puff. We couldn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt with data that absolutely that there was an issue, and so it was kind of scary for an engineer to stand up there and say, "Look." There's a, you know, I, I think that there's a problem. We've got yeah. to, this thing's going to blow up when it comes back in because I don't have the data to absolutely prove it. So I'm putting yeah. my career on the line for this, or am yeah. I going to sit here and just sort of him and haw and say, well, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You, you know, you, uh, you see that a lot. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's junior people in an organization who sort of see the problem and they're, you know, they're maybe they're intimidated or they're, they're, they're top, they're, they're being top down or whatever. And, you know, it's like that junior person, how do you encourage them to sit there and say, Hey, you know, you guys can do whatever you want, but this might be a problem. And, and, and forcefully saying, you know, you talk about like in a, you know, cockpit, you know, crew, crew resource management now in, in, a, in a cockpit where the co-pilot is there to, you know, you know, to say, hey, look, I'm not comfortable with this. If you're not comfortable with it, you know, nobody's comfortable with it, right? But that's that's hard to teach in, in a business organization where egos come into play or things yep. like that. So, yep. so, so you're helping companies you build, change, fix their cultures. What are the, what are the common problems you see? Well, you know, we, we see uh, one of the things that we hear a lot is that, uh, you know, it just uh, it, or the conversations that uh, that that organizations want to have, they, they just have trouble having them. You know, it's the the the, the people problems start to uh, start to, to become more frequent um, and uh, managers and leaders are spending more time dealing with the, the people problems than they are um, doing the, the, the business of the organization and it starts to, to really eat up um, 
the the business and they spend more time dealing with that and so the it's like there's a, it's friction is is one of the ways that i like to think of it as an engineer you know there's there's just organizational friction and so it just begins to consume resources in ways that it takes a a lot of energy and effort um, to get things done and so that's where all of your time and energy goes into instead of the work of of getting things done and so it's, it's very inefficient instead of executing a strategy you're, you're doing other things. And so uh, another thing that we hear is that it just takes a lot of time and energy to, to execute the strategy. And so, you know, leaders start to feel like it's it's taking so long to get the strategy done that they feel like it's it's never actually gonna gonna happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so- uh, Who so sets the, the culture? Here. Yeah, it is who, the culture. Who sets the culture? I mean, you see, you go in organizations, you know, is it a CEO? Is it a CEO deal? Is it something that, you know, did Jack Welch create the culture of GE and it's never to be changed or God forbid, I'm, you know, you, you think about Boeing right now and I can't think of a company that's getting hammered more than them. Maybe, you know, maybe Facebook or Twitter, but I mean, it's, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. You know, I mean, again, we, we say that culture is an emergent property of the organization. And, and uh, so so we, we believe that it's it's the responsibility of the of the leaders to create the culture. Um, but at the same time, it's it's like, you know, it's, it's like smoke. You, you can't just like grab a hold of it and, and right. you know, bend it to your will. And so when I, when I say it's an emergent property, the, the best analogy that I can think of is like the taste of sugar. And so the taste of sugar is an emergent property of the sugar molecule. And so if I were to give you um, carbon and oxygen and hydrogen and ask you to lick each one of those individually and tell me what does sugar taste like, mm -hmm. you couldn't tell me from the taste of each one of those individually. The taste emerges from how those individual you know, elements are, are structured in, in relationship to each other. You know, if you change how those are, are structured and, and configured in relationship to each other, it's going to taste differently. Right. Um, and so the same thing is true about the organization. So leaders, leaders, they exert influence over the organization through, um, through how they create experiences for employees through the, the way that they um, structure physically the organization, through the communications that they have, through the environment that they create, through the things that they say, they do, their own actions, all of those things. And yet at the same time, the, the organizational culture, it emerges through the through the way that um, the the individual employees that they that they behave and the the beliefs that they have and then the interactions between the employees themselves within the organization and that's that's how it emerges and so when you ask who creates and who controls the organization the the culture of the organization I mean it's kind of this it's this circular kind of a question now, isn't it? It's, well, it's, well, you know, it's it, it, like I, I, I read incessantly. Anybody knows me knows I read incessantly. And I think about like, you know, you came out of NASA, but I think of SpaceX and Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk is a, hey, look, we're going to take risks. We'll, you know, we'll, you know, we're hard charging. We'll take, we're, we're taking risks. Um, the whole culture is based on caffeine. And then you take the CEO of Bed Bath & Beyond, whose famous quote was, we should never be in a hurry to make mistakes. You know, and I go, well, yeah. here's Elon basically telling, hey, people, just go. And if you, if you screw something up, it's all right, we'll fix it. I'm, I'm sure there's, a, there's limits to that. But, you know, it's kind of it, 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 it tells your people what you want them doing. 
as compared to Bed Bath and Beyond, it's like, hey, just sit on your, you know, don't we should never be afraid to make in a hurry to make mistakes. That's probably the dumbest comment I've ever heard from a CEO. It's probably why their stock sucks and their business is on the periphery. But I can see why nobody would it would be like, well, I don't want to make a mistake or paralysis by analysis. So how do you yeah, how do you balance those those extreme or do you? So, so what I would say is that, um, you know, it was Peter Drucker who said that your, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, and 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 what I believe he meant by that is is not that strategy is is not important. I think what he meant by that is that if your if your strategy doesn't align with your culture, um, because your culture essentially you know, the, the simple way to define culture is the way things are done around here, right? If yep. your strategy doesn't align with your culture, then you're going to spend so much time and energy trying to force people to behave in a way that is counter to the way things are done around here, right. that your culture is going to eat your strategy for breakfast. So, so the way that I would answer your question is that what you want is your strategy and your culture to be in alignment with each other. And so I would say that you want to design your culture and your strategy both in, in a way that they, that they align and support each other. So whatever that means for you um, as a company, that's, that's what you want. And so mm -hmm. if, if Bed Bath & Beyond, if, if their strategy in the marketplace is such that it, it allows them to have a culture that they don't ever have to move fast and they can, can never make a mistake and they don't have to be super innovative and they can be slow and methodical and, and they have a business strategy that, that absolutely it may allows them to be competitive in the marketplace and, right. and all of that works for them, then great. Um, right. Otherwise we, we need to rethink all of that. Right. And the same thing with Elon Musk. And so, you know, we want all of that to be in balance and, and in alignment. And, 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 and I think that as with all things, you, it, you know, it's very easy to go too far in, in any one direction. I mean, you the know, being methodical yeah. can be, you know, being cast in cement and, and moving fast can, can also be like, you know, burning people out and can also be like, um, you know, reckless. We, we've worked with companies who, become over enamored with the concept of agility and agility starts to become ADD at some point. Absolutely. Or, you know, you know, Absolutely. employees are like, you know, we've, we've changed directions 15 times since I got here this morning. I don't even know what we're doing at this point. So can we, can we, can we just focus on, can we just focus? You know, it's, 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 it's all, it's all good. You know, the, you know, I, I hear that a lot. It's, it's, you know, we can't focus on any one thing. I don't know what the goal is anymore because it changes daily. Yeah. Um, do boards, are they focusing enough on culture or are they just focusing on strategy? I mean, I got to think, you know, that's, you know, are we rowing fast enough? I mean, granted, you, 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 you get a direction. Are we rowing fast enough in the right direction? I mean, you know, it, it depends and it depends on, depends on the the board. I, I think that uh, a lot of them are, uh, you know, we certainly work with a lot that, that are, um, you know, we, we do a lot of work in the, you know, in the startup um, world and, and a lot of uh, investors, a lot of VCs are, are definitely very heavily focused on, on organizational culture. 
um, and, and a lot of boards are, are really focused on it. We also work with a lot of companies who, who you know, they, they grow by acquisition. And, you know, one of the things that they're very interested in as, as part of their acquisition strategy is, is uh, the culture of organizations as, as, they're, as they're, you know, growing. And, Absolutely. You know, I see a lot of M&A. And, and, you know, big company buy small company. And, and, you know, what's the reason, you know, like, uh, you know, for, you know, you go into the, you go to Silicon Valley, a lot of companies are buying, you know, Apple's buying small companies just because they want the talent. You know, that's it. We, we don't care about the company. We don't care about the product. We want the engineers and we lock them in and, you know, we're moving or we want the, you know, whatever. Um, but that's something I hear a lot is, you know, uh, employees of small companies get sucked into big company and then all of a sudden they feel paralyzed. It's like, I can't do anything anymore. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, they, they rarely last, they rarely last very long. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, talk about your books. Tell what are you, what are you, what are you teaching people? You know, you, you you've got your book out you know, what yeah. do you, what are you teaching people in your book? What do you want them to take away from it? Well, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's really, we, we took a look at, at what, what makes, um, what makes an organizational culture great. And, and we came to the conclusion that, uh, that really is, as part of this emergent culture, there's, uh, there's, there's four common traits that, that organizational cultures have, and that is, uh, maturity, diversity, community and unity and um in order to to be able to to have those we've identified uh the missing links that companies want to create um to link their 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 employees together just like those those uh, molecules uh, just like those uh elements within the sugar you link those together in the right way and you get the taste of sugar um you want to link your employees together in the right way with these these missing links to uh to create those those uh traits of of maturity diversity community and unity um, and and we show uh, companies how they can do that uh, to create those traits within their their company. Um, and uh, you know it's uh, it's really powerful and uh, and it's it's something that's it's absolutely possible within within every company. Yeah, no, I love yeah, I love the maturity part. You you, you see, yeah, look, somebody has to be an adult in the room. And I yep. mean, at the end of the day, somebody has to be. There, there's got to be an adult in the room. Um. I love the fact that everybody talks about Zuckerberg and how he grew Facebook. He's a you know, college dropout. And, you know, what everybody forgets is that everybody that he hired was a Harvard grad. You know, uh, there's a lot of maturity there. Um, it wasn't a bunch of kids just dropped out of college. Yeah. I love the diversity part of it. Um, I'm looking at my board as I do this. Four of the last five placements I've done have either been women or people of color. And I think about, and it's all at senior levels. And I think about the diversity. And the one thing that, you know, aerospace or whatever the industry is, is that you can't have diversity of thought without diversity of people. I mean, diversity Absolutely. of thought is what makes companies great. Yep. And, and, and I think you know, here we are in the 21st century. I'm, I, I know that companies are figuring that out, but I'm not quite sure they're there yet. 
you know, you, you can't, you can't solve, you can't solve big problems. You can't solve big problems without the diversity of thought. And, right. and I, I don't think that there are many areas left where we're not faced with solving big problems. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the world we're living in right now. I mean, mm-hmm. for heaven's sakes, Craig, we've, we've been, uh, we've been struggling through a, a global pandemic for the last two years. Mm-hmm. I think all of us have been trying to figure out how to solve a, a lot of pretty big problems um, just to keep our businesses running in a, in a lot of ways and figuring out creative ways to, to just continue to, to keep, uh, keep the doors open and keep things running. Um, you know, just just because of that um you know so so we need that diversity of thought to solve these to solve these big problems because you know the same the same type of thinking is not gonna is not gonna get us there i go to some of these conferences my wife laughs she calls me up and she's like how's the conference i'm like it's good she goes who's there same people that were here last year what are y'all talking about i'm like honey it's just a bunch of guys talking about airplanes it's it's monumentally boring, um, you know, and that's just what yeah you, know, you 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 get a bunch of people of all the same you know, yeah you know, yeah income you, brackets I, you know ethnicity ethnicities and whatever it's just a bunch of suits and you're like wow this is this is made for a sitcom movie it really it really is but I'll you know, tell you Art so the the three links that we've got for diversity and and. And uh, you know you're a, you're an aerospace guy, so so I'll give you my analogy. See if see if you like this. Um, you know, to me, it's it's like uh, you know, it's it's like uh, launching a rocket. You know, in order to get the rocket off the ground, you got to have three things. You got to have you got to have fuel. You got to have um, oxidizer, and you got to have spark. You know, you you combine those those three thing, things in in really close proximity, and you're going to get the rocket off the ground, right? Right. Um, and so so the three things you got to have for diversity is you got to have differences, right? That's like yeah. the fuel. You get you know that's and you said it yourself. Yeah. And unless you know, unless you got the differences there, you don't have the the basic fuel um, in order to create diversity. Um, the next thing you got to have is you got to have respect. Respect is like the oxygen. It's, you know, it's the oxidizer. Yeah, it's the oxygen in the room. If you don't respect the differences, there's no point in having the differences present. You know, it's going to suffocate. It's going to suffocate everything. So you got to have that respect mm-hmm. there. And then the last thing that the, the spark that sets it all off is, is inclusion. You yeah. know, you got to actually include the people because it doesn't matter if they're in the room. You know, you have to truly include them in the conversations, in in what you're doing. There has to be true in inclusion um, of the of those differences in what you're doing to, to truly make the diversity matter. And and that's that's what's required. And so you put all three of those pieces together and that's how you create the diversity. Yeah, look, and, and that's what it's all coming down to. Too many people talk about diversity and they think about, you know, the headlines of the news. I'm like, look, no, it's just getting, you know, it's getting people who, you know, it's uh I remember when I was a naval officer, there was a you know, was a, a, a guy in our squadron who you know, showed up. He, he just loved showing up in tie dye and uh, yeah, an earring when he was off. Uh, what do you? Yeah, it was, you know, late ninety or your mid nineties and an earring, and you're like, all right, he's a little on the wild side. But he had some great ideas, and you know, it was it was great. Now you see, you know, women are in the military now, and they're doing they're doing wonderful things. They're bringing different perspectives to the whole game. Um, corporate America. I was just wrote down. I just wrote down Ross Perot. We we're talking about Ross Perot and EDS yesterday. And anybody who knows about 
EDS in the, in the mid seventies, when Ross started it, it was white shirt, gray suit. Everybody had to wear a white shirt and a gray suit. And that was it. And you're not going to get a lot of, you know, you're not going to, yeah. It's probably why EDS doesn't exist anymore too, but uh, you know, it was bought and bought and sold a couple of times. I love that part of it. I mean, I just think that's what makes, makes great organizations. Yep. Um, how do so here we are, we're, we're talking on zoom. A lot of corporate meetings are being held on zoom. 50% of the workers are working from home. Yep. How do you, how do you, how do you build that culture? It's certainly challenging. It's certainly challenging. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot um, with organizational culture in general is that, um, you know, you want to be intentional about it. Um, you know, as a leader, you are you are creating the culture of your organization, uh, whether you want to or not, you're doing it. You know, and and so um, you're either accidentally creating it or you're intentionally creating it. And so what you want to do is you want to do it by intentionally and, and figure out the specifically the type of culture you want to create. And then you want to you want to figure out how do I how do I intentionally create that? And and you do that by deciding that the experiences that you want to you want to create for your employees that that send signals to them that, that communicate to them. Hey, this is this is the type of, of culture that this is. This is the type of workplace that this is. This is this is who we are, that type of a thing. And so you want to do the same thing, even even though it's it's virtual. And so, um, you know, when you when you look at our model, when you look at the different pieces and parts of our model, um, you want to still think about those same things. It's just just about how do we create those experiences? How do we create these these linkages? How do we do that in in the virtual world? Um, and so so it's um, you know still making sure that we are connecting with employees, uh, still doing those one on one, still creating opportunities for us to get together, um, you know, as as groups and and do do silly things or or connect on a personal level as as teams uh, create opportunities to share pieces and parts of ourselves and our personal lives. Um, all of those things that you would maybe happen more easily or more naturally in the, in the quote unquote real world. Um, you just have to be more intentional about creating opportunities for those to occur in the virtual world. And so, uh, so it's just, uh, takes a little bit more intentional design in the, uh, in the zoom world, um, as, as a leader. So I'm pulling myself, I'm going to start putting myself on mute. I got monster thunderstorm right out my window. Oh, so wow. if you saw the flash, whatever. I did, I did see that. So, you know, I love what you said, you know, it's, it's, you got the leader sets the tone of the culture, creates the culture either on purpose or by accident. And, you know, when they're absent and unaffected and ADD, that's the culture of the organization. Nobody cares. They all just paralyzed because you know you're just going to shift directions in two or three three ways yeah be it on zoom or whatever and you can't just assume that it's going to happen i mean if you want if if what you want is for your employees to uh you know to to get to know each other and to have a little bit of an interpersonal relationship so that they're building they're building those relationships you're building a little bit of community so that you have that that um that connection so that um when stuff gets hard, you know, so that when when something happens, that, that they've they've built those relationships that they can then fall fall back on and and work through some of the tough stuff. And you know, if you want that to happen, 
don't just assume that's going to happen or just don't hope that it happens, right? Hope's not a strategy, right? Uh, don't, you know, design that, create the, create it, be intentional about it, create it, create a, create an opportunity for it to happen, design it in. Are you helping? Is that what, is that what you're helping leaders do? Or are you, you helping them create, design that culture and showing them how to be more effective with it? Yeah, we yes, yeah, we we help them uh, to to think through uh, through different experiences that they can that they can design for their employees. Um, you know, we we uh, we facilitate uh, workshops um, that are experiential. Um, you know, workshops that they can do with uh, with employees that help to rapidly um, accelerate those types of uh, relationships with employees and and accelerate um, team dynamics. Um, so so that's the type of things that we'll, we'll do. Um, you know, we uh, we 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 say that we apply the science of human behavior to to help um, teams um, and organizations uh, you know really come together quickly and accelerate their organizational culture. Gotcha. So, hey, look, we've been doing this for about 35 minutes. Let's let's wrap it up. So if I'm designing a culture, I'm a leader, I've got a business, I'm a new leader coming into a business. You know, and things got to change. What's the what, what do I need to do to change it? I mean, you, 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 you helped NASA identify a culture that was a little bit Failure is no option, probably too aggressive. Um, you, you know, I think Boeing was probably a little bit of the same. Yeah, I mean, they rushed some stuff that you know, should have been rushed. You know, if I'm coming in and I want to make effective change, what do I need to do? So if you're coming in, um, first thing you, you want to do is you want to listen. Um, and I'd listen to as, as many people as, as possible. Um, you know, and 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 uh, hear what what they have to say, hear what their concerns are, hear hear what uh, what they have to say. Um, you know, like like we talked about, uh, you know, early on. You know, culture is a, a funny thing. I mean, as the leader, you want to set the tone. Absolutely, it's your responsibility to to uh, to create the culture. Um, and at the same time, it, it's not something that you directly grab hold of and just force to your will. So it's, you, you know, as the leader, you're going to be dependent on the, the, the employees to work with you and to, uh, to shift their behaviors and their, their belief systems and things like that. And so it's not, uh, it's not something you're going to do through brute force. And so um, you're going to want to listen to them. You're going to want them to be on your side and to, to help you with it. And so, so listening to them and, and, and hearing them and, and, uh, um having a shared uh vision for for that culture um at the end of the day you know obviously as the leader set the direction and say this is this is the way where we're going but uh you know that's obviously a lot easier to do when when you you're hearing from them and you're 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 stating it to the maximum extent possible in the words that you've heard from them and they they feel heard and listened to and and uh, that type of a thing How's the book doing? We are launching on uh, September seventh, so uh, it's it's almost here. Um, thrilled uh, thrilled to be this close. So it's uh, I guess as a guy, it's probably as close to giving birth as I'm going to experience. But uh, I am uh, I'm really excited about it. Good for you. So uh, and how do people uh, how do people find you guys? 
Uh, you can go to our website, uh, gallaheredge.com. Um, you can find the book on uh, Barnes and Noble or uh, amazon.com, of course. And uh, so, uh, yeah, look us up, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a, uh, we have a, a great uh, video platform, uh, Insider Edge, uh, where uh, we uh, have a lot of great resources available to people on organizational culture. And uh, we also have a, a great uh blog and uh and uh newsletter that's available as well so awesome so and where do people reasons. where do people find and it's gallaher edge www.gallaher g-a-l-l-a-h-e-r edge.com yep that's it cool um dr philip mead author of uh the missing link launching a high performance company culture so thanks for coming on yeah appreciate Thank you being you, here. appreciate it I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.